Hi guys and welcome back to Wallace Scotland podcast with me, Shawnee. And I'll tell you, yesterday I spent all night recording this episode and I had even had it half edited and then I looked at my laptop this morning and it was completely gone. And am I gutted? Oh, you have no idea. I am absolutely gutted but we're going to do it again and it's going to be even better. Trust me. So obviously I planned on doing this one case a couple of weeks ago. If any of you are following my Instagram or Twitter you know that I asked if you would like to hear this episode because it is quite a touchy subject and it's quite a a raw one because it was relatively recently. It only happened two years ago. It was the case of Alicia McPhail who was a six-year-old girl who was sadly murdered on the Isle of Bute in Scotland. So, I mean, with these kind of cases, it is a bit more, you know, and I just wanted to know if anybody would want to hear it to begin with. So, I did plan on doing this a couple of weeks ago, but again, if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you'll know that we had a fire in my family home, my parents' home, and that unfortunately didn't survive. Luckily, everyone that was in the house, my parents and the three dogs and my brother are all absolutely fine. They all have their lives, they all have their heels and we're so thankful for that. But yeah, they've kind of lost everything. So it's been a long couple of weeks just trying to get through that, you know. That's why, obviously, I haven't recorded this episode. Luckily enough, I had some episodes already pre-recorded, so I only had to miss, like, one week, and that was the first week after it happened, because obviously I was just helping my parents, trying to find somewhere to live and move them in and things like that. So, you know, it doesn't get too far behind with that, so that's good, I suppose. But, yeah, so that's why this episode's coming a little bit later than planned for those of you who would have been expecting it, you know? So I hope that it's worth the wait for you. So let's just dive right in. Alicia Sarah McPhail was born on the 22nd of October 2011 in Glasgow to parents Georgina Wolfen, who was 16 at the time, and Robert McPhail, who was 19 at the time. Georgina was from the Airdrie North Lanarkshire area in Scotland and Robert lived or grew up in the Isle of Bute which is a island just off of Scotland. Alicia lived with her mum in Airdrie and her younger sister Courtney, who was aged four at the time of her murder. She attended Chapelside School and had just recently completed primary two, which, if you're from the UK, you'll know that is the second year of school for young children. She was six years old. And yeah, she was described by her teachers as being a really smiley, happy, bubbly young girl who loved being at school, really enjoyed all aspects of literacy and writing. Her hobbies out with school were things like gymnastics and baking and dancing. So just a normal, bright, bubbly young girl. Her parents separated when she was three months old. 
Her father, Robert, who was 26 at the time of her murder, lived in Rossi, which is the main town on the Isle of Butte. There's not a lot of people there. It's quite a close-knit community. The island itself, I think, only has about 7,000 people, something like that, but don't quote me on it, but it's roughly something like that. So he stayed there with his parents, had a girlfriend called Tony, who was aged 17 in 2018. Alicia would visit them every other weekend and, by all accounts, really enjoyed herself on the Isle of Butte. Obviously, any young girl would, any young kid would. It was beaches and nice walks and very quiet, lots of freedom for children because there's not a lot of crime in these areas, there's not a lot of cars and things like that, you know, so there is a lot more freedom for a kid in these kind of rural areas in Scotland and island areas in Scotland. So she would have fair enjoyed herself over there, for sure. On the 28th of June 2018, Alicia joined them for what was to be a three-week stay through the school summer holidays. Three days into the stay, staying at her grandparents' house with her dad, is when a horrible and unthinkable turn of events happened for this beautiful little girl and her family. Now, before we jump into the timeline of events that happened on the night and day of 1st and 2nd of July, I want to tell you a bit about the monster that committed this horrible crime, and his name is Aaron Campbell. So, let's talk a bit about him and what his life was like. Aaron was born in Strewsbury in Shropshire on the 7th of May 2002. Aaron's family moved to the Isle of Butte when he was around four or five. His mum Jeanette, dad Christopher and younger sister, they made the move to the Isle of Butte as his dad worked on an oil rig offshore North Sea. So it's not uncommon for people to move to rural areas in Scotland or islands in Scotland when they are working in offshore jobs in the North Sea. It's a better base, it's less travel time home when you're only getting a short stop off back. I know, like from my own experience, because my boyfriend Andrew, he works offshore, and he has to travel all day, all the way up to Aberdeen, usually to stop over to the night, to then possibly have to get either a flight to Shetland and then a helicopter out to one of the oil rigs or a helicopter straight from Aberdeen and then they're usually a couple hour helicopters, sometimes like up to three, four hours on a helicopter offshore after that. So I mean it's a long, long, long journey and if you're doing that all the way from Shropshire, that's like a that's like a double journey, you know, so it's not uncommon for people to move up to Scotland that are in that industry because they get a limited time off anyway, you know. So Campbell's upbringing allegedly included elements of physical and emotional abuse. He argued with his alcoholic mother often. He was tested when he was younger for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, and he had a history of self-harm and depression. He attended Rossi Academy and was popular amongst friends. He regularly drank and smoked weed with them. By all accounts, he was a fit, active young guy, keen on gaming, and his dream in life was to be a YouTuber. 
so not very uncommon in this day and age. So he was setting up a YouTube channel and he had, I believe, recorded himself playing Fortnite a few times and was really sipping into violent video games as well. There was also reports from locals that, and this is where it gets like, you know, not just like a innocent or a typical teenager that's like into violent video games and maybe has a like is getting into a bit of trouble in school where the teachers are reporting back and things like that I know that it was reported that his mum was having to attend the school often for like behavioural reports about Aaron because he was really not doing very well in school behaviour wise he was a bit of a bad kid you know but at this point, there's nothing really, like, red flaggy coming up, you know? But this next part is the bit that I'm, like, major red flaggy. Like, major red flags. How how people haven't... I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, I'll just tell you, okay? So, locals reported that he was torturing cats in 2016. Friends say that he killed and skinned them and then buried them in his back garden. In 2017, he wrote a Facebook post through a female friend saying that he might kill one day for the lifetime experience. Now, if that doesn't say this is a kid in trouble, you know, like, this is red flag, red flag, that's a red flag. He was entered into a rehabilitation programme because he was caught setting fires and there's not much really I can find on that to be honest it was just literally that statement and quite a few articles but I don't know if it's just like kid stuff like oh we're going down the woods for a couple of drinks and we'll set a fire and then he's been caught doing it because obviously at 16 year old you're not really meant to be like setting fires or if it was that he was like damaging people's property setting fires and he was just being like a little shithead arsonist I'm thinking the latter, though, if he was sent to a rehabilitation programme, especially with coupled like with his already bad behaviour in school, and now he's torturing cats, setting fires, and writing on Facebook that he wants to kill somebody. I mean, yeah. There was also an incident reported that locals said that he held a girl's head underwater at the local swimming pool for so long that she feared for her life and she thought she would drown. And this apparently really traumatised her, which, yeah, I totally get that because, I mean, all kids kind of mess around swim pools, don't they? And, like, you've all dunked somebody under the water at some point in your life. Like, if you've got brothers and sisters, like, that's what you did on holiday all the time. You just dunk each other and it would drive you insane when, like, your brother done it or whatever. But this was, like, a step further, you know? Like, this was, like, he was being quite sadistic about it because that's what the reports are saying and that's what locals have said as well so it's I don't know if it's maybe just been embellished by locals because of what he's done and it's been hyped up if it was just like a kid it was a kid just doing like playing and it went maybe went too far or if it was like a bit more like sadistic red flaggy which I feel like it may have it may have been red flag you know also, Aaron apparently had an unhealthy obsession with the Slenderman movie. One of his friends quoted, he was obsessed with gore and violence and he was hooked on the Slenderman movie. An ex-friend also said, when talking about Aaron, he was supposedly doing voodoo stuff. I was worried when I heard. I never asked, about, I never asked him about it, 
I just thought it was weird, but now I could believe it. Aaron also claimed they had many sexual relationships across the island with multiple different, like, girls in their teens, and apparently none of them knew about each other, but, I mean... I don't, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of things that come from, like, Aaron himself that I'm a bit like, dude, you were 16. He's trying to be this famous YouTuber with, like, loads of girls and set himself out to be, I don't know, something, I just, I just don't believe it, you know? That's just my personal opinion. I'm just like, okay, whatever, dude, like, you're 16, chill out. But, maybe? <laughs> Who knows? So that's a bit about Aaron, and again, like, if you're anything like me, a hundred percent this is just like I said before, red flaggy. Like the red flag is flying at this point. So now let's move on to the night of Alicia's disappearance and murder. Alicia was put to her bed in her room, her grandparents' seafront home with a Peppa Pig DVD playing and at around eleven o'clock at night, Tony, Robert's girlfriend checked on Alicia and noticed that she was asleep. The house was left unlocked, which is totally common, and Alicia's room was closest to the door. Now, I know a lot of people right now will be listening and thinking, why on earth would they leave their front door opened, especially when the child's bedroom is like the one closest to the front door? But I'm here to tell you that in Scotland, it is 100% super, super common for people to just leave their doors open. I mean, I've lived in a rural area now for quite some time and my parents literally never locked their door, ever. The only time they would maybe consider locking the door is if there was word of maybe people going about stealing. So, which again, didn't happen very often and it was never like home invasions either. It was always like a quad bike had been stolen from the local farm. Oh, maybe we'll lock our doors tonight then. That kind of thing. In rural areas, it's super uncommon for crime to happen anyway. And then plus you're like, all the neighbours kind of watch out for each other. If a strange car drove through our village, everybody would be like, who is that? And someone would see it, even if it was late at night as well. I mean, I've been coming home at like God knows what time from work, like two, three in the morning sometimes. And I remember driving through our village, which is very, very small, a very small village. And there was a white van parked in the middle of the road. And I was about like, well, that's not right. Because one, I don't notice the van. And two, there's like three guys sitting in it and it's a white van. And it's like three o'clock in the morning. So why are they doing that? So basically, as soon as I got in, like fired off a wee message into the group chat. Well, not the group chat, the Facebook like community page. And like just called the police and was like, hey, you know, there's this van. I don't notice that because, you know, I know like every car in my village. So there was three guys sitting in the front of it. It's a wee bit dodgy. Maybe you want to like come and check it out because, you know, there's been a quad bike stolen recently in one of the farms. So we all kind of look out for each other that way. So if things are dodgy, then someone will see it and someone will report it, you know. So it's not uncommon at all. So just calm your jets if you're thinking that that was like bad parenting or whatever because it totally isn't it's just normal it is normal on the same evening 16 year old Aaron invited his friends to his house where he became drunk now Aaron had quite a large house which I believe was on the bank of the Firth of Clyde and 
I think there was about eight, seven or eight bedrooms. So massive house, great for a party, great for having all your friends over. Obviously, this is the end of summer. Um, they've just had their exams and things, letting off a little bit of steam. The party finished before midnight and around half past 12 on the 2nd of July, so now into the next morning, a friend returned and found Campbell in his bed and he said that he believed him to be suicidal. Campbell claimed that he was upset because he'd been arguing with his mum for most of the night and his friend was quite worried about him. He even offered to stay the night. Campbell declined though and he just basically said to his friend, nah, it's cool, I'm just going to sit and get stoned anyway, so it doesn't matter. Campbell then sent several messages to people asking if he could get weed, including Robert McPhail, Alicia's dad. And at 1.48am, he called Tony, but there was no response. At 1.54am, he left his home armed with a kitchen knife. The McPhails lived around about a five-minute walk away from Aaron Campbell's house. Campbell had previously bought cannabis from Alicia's dad, Robert, who lived in the house with his parents. It's believed that Campbell set out initially just to go and steal the drug, hence the knife, like in case he encountered any problems or something, maybe, I don't know. But... The issue was that Campbell had fell out with Tony and Robert previously over some tick that was due. So that's like money owed to a drug dealer, basically, when they give you it on tick. So I don't know if you know or not, but basically if you get, you can get drugs from a drug dealer, say like a little bag of weed or whatever, and if you don't have the money right there and then, they'll give you tick. So like you owe them that. So he was due around about £10, I think, to Tony and Robert. And Jeanette found out, Jeanette Annan's mum found out that Robert and Tony had been selling him weed and she confronted them. She's not happy that her son is smoking weed at all and basically Campbell hadn't really spoken with them much after this. I mean, Jeanette was all for the the drinking and stuff like that underage and it's well it's not really like all for it's like very normalised in Scotland for kids to be drinking at a certain age, you know, like un- like 18's the legal age to be drinking in Scotland and it's super, super common for people to be drinking before that, like between the age of like maybe 14 and 17 drinking illegally, it's, it's super, super common. I mean, everyone does it, everyone I know, I done it, every, every single person I know done it. It's just a super common thing, basically. And these days, it's even more acceptable because when we were younger, it was like your parents didn't know and you hid it from your parents and you were drinking out on the street or in the woods or whatever and you would end up getting into trouble with the police and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, but basically nowadays, because obviously the generation of parents that are, like, parents to a 16-year-old now are in the generation where they used to drink out in the streets and stuff, they're a bit more in the mind frame of, well, at least if they're drinking in my house, under my roof, and I buy them the alcohol, then I know what they're drinking, I know how much they're drinking, and they're safe in the house, and they can't really get into trouble, so 
better to do it under my roof than to go and do it anyway out on the streets and probably cause trouble, you know? Anyway, I'm totally digressing from the point that I was trying to get. So, Jeanette, no on weed, but yes on alcohol and again, very normal in Scotland, so nothing again to be like super worried about. So Campbell enters the unlocked home of Alicia at approximately 2am. He discovers Alicia asleep in her bed and saw a momentary opportunity and he said later that all he thought about was killing her once I saw her. A short while later, a shadowy figure is captured on CCTV carrying a mysterious object believed to be Alicia and this was going across the shoreline. Alicia apparently woke up in his arms and to keep her quiet, he tells her that he's a friend of her dad's and that he's taken her home. Now, this is nothing again that probably would be too alarming to a sleepy six-year-old child as she's probably seen Naren Campbell around on many occasions because, again, it's a small island. He only just lives right up the road from her. We know that the dad and him are connected, so she's probably not, like, super alarmed at first. He's a familiar face, probably, you know. She complained of being cold and he gave her his jumper, but not, like, as an act of kindness as normal me and you would give a, a small child that was cold their jumper. It was to keep her quiet. So just before we go on, I'm just going to tell you that the next, like, the next little part is the events of what actually happened to Alicia and I'm just pre-warning you now that it's not comfortable to read, it's not comfortable to talk about, it won't be comfortable to hear, you know? So then on the beach, he sexually assaults her, raping her multiple times, then killing her. Alicia suffered catastrophic sexual injuries, 117 injuries in total. He violently shook her as he covered her nose, mouth and neck with his hands, suffocating her. She died from forceful pressure to her neck and face. Pathologist Dr John Williams said her injuries appeared to be consistent with pressure applied to her face, causing her death. Bleeding was evident. These injuries are indicative of severe forceful inflicted penetration. Alicia suffered from smothering which led to her death. Pressure to her neck caused pinpoint hemorrhages below her eyes. Injuries to her spinal cord could have been caused by shaking or gripping her hair and shaking her head. A pathologist from Glasgow University said that her feet were uninjured, suggesting that she was carried to the scene. Scientists said they had never seen anything like the injuries that she suffered. At 3.35am, Campbell seen on CCTV returning home. At this point, he has left Alicia on the shore and he came home to change and shower. At 3.45, 10 minutes later, he's seen again on CCTV leaving his home carrying his jogging bombs, which were later discovered as he threw them into the sea and they were recovered on the shoreline. At 3.52am, he returns home. Again, Alicia is still left on the beach. Five minutes later, he leaves his home again, carrying a torch. He carries Alicia to an abandoned hotel grounds wooded area and leaves her there. At 4.07am, Campbell is filmed returning home again. At around 6am, Alicia is noticed missing by her grandfather. They knew she wasn't the type of girl who'd run away and her bike was still outside. 
They checked around the house and around the garden, but no luck. And at 6.23am, her grandmother calls the police. The police came around 20 minutes later and the search for Alicia really begins. In a small town with a community like that, like I said, very tight-knit, this word travels very fast of a little girl missing and everybody pitches in. Also, and this is quite upsetting as well, Georgina, Alicia's mum, who was in Airdrie at the time, found out via Facebook that Alicia was missing and then murdered. Her grandmother had posted on Facebook that Alicia was missing and obviously just asking the locals to look out for her, had they seen her and that kind of thing and her mum didn't see the post right away and I believe that the family had tried to get in contact with her but couldn't get a hold of her. So a, a couple hours later when they've actually already found the body is when Alicia's mum sees this post and that is fucking heartbreaking for a parent I'm sure to find to find that out about their kid. She had posted on one of the posts about Alicia that that's my daughter please tell me what's happened. Others replied with sympathy and one post was even a link to a Daily Record article about her daughter. Just heartbreaking. Jeanette Aaron's mum said she awoke at the morning after Alicia was taken to the sounds of shouting out this was the search party for Alicia. She said that she checked the back garden and then asked Aaron if he'd heard anything. He told her no and went back to sleep. His mother joined the search party with her dog and said that she saw Robert and Tony when she was out looking for Alicia and she saw them looking very upset when they came down from the woods. After seeing the police cordon, she returned home. She said to the court that when she returned home, she told both of her children that she thought something had happened to the little girl. After searching and searching, a member of the public found Alicia's body at around 8.54am in the abandoned hotel in the wooded area, not far from the shoreline. Jeanette, when she arrives home, checks her CCTV, which had been installed as a family member with dementia was going to be coming to live with them. And this is when she sees Aaron returning home after 3am. And up until that point, she had no idea that he'd even left the house at all. She saw her son leave the house at 1.54 dressed in dark trousers, black shoes and a black hoodie and returned at 3.35am. When he returned, she said he wasn't wearing the dark jumper that he'd originally left with. She then seen him leave the house again wearing shorts and bare feet and carrying an item of clothing. He returned around seven minutes later. He had left walking in the direction of the town centre but came back from the opposite direction which she noted was quite strange. She said that she had originally watched the footage to see if Alicia had passed by the house and had no idea why her son had left. She asked Aaron, I see you went out again last night and I noticed that your feet were dirty. She recalled him saying, I don't know, I must have been looking for my phone. She said this puzzled her a lot, so she told a friend about it who advised her to call the police. At this point, she said, I don't think he had actually done anything. It was more to help the police and to eliminate him from their inquiries. She had told her son, whoever done this to the little girl, their DNA would be all over her. On the 4th of July, 
please take Karen into custody. They checked him over for bruising and things like that and within half an hour everyone local knew about it. Jeanette at the trial was shown items found on the beach across from the McPhail home and the kitchen knife which she said could have belonged to her. Photos were shown of her knife block where two knives were missing and when she was shown the black Nike hoodie that washed up on the beach she confirmed that it could have been Aaron's. She told the court that that night she had heard the boiler go on in the early hours of the morning and it was Aaron having a shower. CCTV footage was also shown in the court from a neighbour who had four cameras attached to his house. He contacted police after seeing footage from that night which resembled someone carrying something on their back. This was at around 2.26am. He told the court there was movement coming from the shelter, then someone was walking as if they were carrying something. Once he knew there was a child missing, he told the police he presumed the person was that was carrying something was carrying the little girl. Detective Sergeant who visited Aaron's house, DC Stephen Hendry from Paisley, he was part of the Special Investigations Unit and was accompanied by another officer. DS Hendry said the mother called the police in interest of eliminating her son from the investigation. She had been drinking heavily in the early hours of the 3rd of July and said she wanted to show the police CCTV from two cameras identifying her son leaving their house. When he asked Aaron what he had done that morning and why he had taken a shower, Aaron said that he'd been smoking weed and liked to take a shower afterwards. DS Hendry said he gave an explanation and cooperated with them. The only question that Aaron had for DS Hendry was would a DNA test hurt, which kind of reflects back to his age, you know. He is only 16, a boy himself. A monster, but a boy, you know. He was arrested on suspicion of murder on the 4th of July and was not allowed to be named at the time for legal reasons. Police Scotland issued a statement via Twitter on the 5th of July. We can confirm that a 16-year-old male has this afternoon been charged in connection with the death of six-year-old Alicia McPhail, whose body was discovered on Monday on the Isle of Butte. He is due to appear in Greenock Sheriff Court tomorrow. Aaron Campbell denied abducting, raping and killing Alicia. Instead, he came up with a different story, an elaborate story, accusing Tony, the girlfriend of Robert, of killing Alicia. He claimed after DNA proved to be a match to him that he and Tony had a sexual relationship and claimed that they had sex in a garage and she must have kept the condom before murdering Alicia and using its contents to implement him. Now I remember this at the time because at this point we don't know what the kid's name is, we don't know anything about him, we don't know about the violent video games and the bad behaviour at school and the apparent voodoo rituals involving killing and skinning cats and the fires and we don't know any of this at at this point. Literally all the public know is that it's a 16 year old boy that's been arrested in connection with. So when this came out, the things about the girlfriend started to come out a lot more information than actual Aaron himself. So I remember hearing the story about the girlfriend of the dad 
of the little girl that died was apparently implementing him because they were having a sexual relationship. And again, we didn't even know what age Tony was at this point either. So really, like, a lot of narratives started getting invented with people going, I mean, is this, like, some sick older woman that had twisted the the narrative really on the little boy and was trying to pin it on him but very 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 quickly things didn't add up for people you know so even though that narrative came out like straight away and some people maybe believed it it was very very quickly squashed when little bit more things started coming out and I just feel so sorry for that girl I mean imagine having that being accused of that that's just horrendous you know so the court also quickly rejected this the jury they just weren't buying it at all it was a ridiculous story and they seen that for what it was thankfully so he was jailed for life at the high court in glasgow but then he goes and puts the family through even more pain by appealing the decision of his sentence and he won that appeal and managed to reduce his sentence from 27 years to 24 years, meaning that he can apply for parole when he's 40. Georgina said in a statement, it's disgusting. A life sentence should be a life sentence. He should have no human rights, and he does not deserve anything because he is inhumane. And I 110% like back Georgina in that statement. Aaron Campbell finally confessed to this evil, evil crime and interviews with a psychologist after his conviction, saying that he was quite satisfied with the murder and revealing that he even still fantasised about killing and having sex with children. Pathologists have said that he is a very manipulative young man and It's really hard to know if anything that he says about what his life was like growing up had any value in it. So that like way back at the start of the podcast when I was telling you about Aaron, that is exactly why I said allegedly he has suffered physical and emotional abuse because again, this is his account and it's, you need to take what a psycho says with a pinch of salt, you know? The psychologist did say that he seemed to have some attachment issues with his dad in regards to the fact that he worked away all the time on the oil rigs, but a reporter that was really invested in this investigation had said that she met Jeanette and Christopher on multiple occasions and Jeanette seemed like a really very kind, straightforward woman and that all neighbours that she spoke to spoke very highly and kindly of both parents. Psychologists also said that drugs and drink behaviour was nothing unusual for a boy of his age. So like I said before, it's very common in Scotland, it's a very normal thing. He stands out though because of the way that he went for the most innocent type of victim. A little girl asleep in her bed and the way that he did it was really sadistic and he seemed to take his time over it and show zero remorse. It was even stated in his trial that people believed that he was enjoying the trial. He was enjoying the attention. He was a grade A narcissist 
who, even if it's negative attention, it's him, it's his attention, you know? And he was even saw to be smirking on several occasions and holding back laughter. Which is just vile, you know? Like, the poor parents and other family members of Alicia had to sit and watch this disgusting creature act like that in court. It's just vile. So, luckily for the public and for the family, Aaron Campbell's right to anonymity was removed by the courts. Campbell was revealed as being the 16-year-old killer of Alicia McPhail on the 22nd of February 2019 after a judge ruled in favour of a campaign led by the Scottish Sun. Under Scots law, a convicted criminal cannot be identified until they turn 18. But such was the severity of the crime, a judge ruled that the evil killer could be unmasked. After the conviction as well, Campbell's family home on Butte was reportedly smashed up in a late-night vigilante attack. Windows of the detached home were shattered. A van nearby also had its windows smashed. Neighbours have slammed the vandals though, pointing out that Campbell's own mum Jeanette had helped the police snare her own son by calling the police over his suspicious behaviour and giving them the CCTV and being very cooperative with the police. Also she was out hunting for Alicia on that day and remember Aaron's younger sister lives in this house as well and it's not her fault that her brother's a monster, so why should another innocent young girl go through any kind of trauma, you know? Aaron Campbell has had no visitors in months and months. He spent his 17th and 18th birthday alone, just like every other day. Friends and family have totally abandoned him after he finally admitted to raping and murdering Alicia. He's been left to rot in a cell at Polmouth Young Offenders near Falkirk. Admitting he'd done those terrible things to wee Alicia was the turning point for his family. He denied it for months and months and put her loved ones through hell. He's evil. And I don't think anyone listening to this podcast today would think anything differently because to take such a bright light away from the world is just despicable and unforgivable. I have watched some of the videos and things like that of Alicia and she just seemed like such a lovely little girl and my heart goes out to the family of Alicia McPhail because there's no words, you know? There's no words. This guy deserves to rot in jail. This guy deserves to rot in jail forever. He doesn't deserve to come out in fo- at 40 and start a new life. That's not right. Why should he come out at 40 and won't get to live the rest of his 40 to 50 years of his life, however long he lives, in freedom? No, I'm sorry. You took the freedom away from such a lovely, bright, happy young girl who will never get to do anything in life. It's just not... It's just not right, you know. I think that there's some things in life that you can be forgiven for. And obviously we go through cases, we go through so many cases of different things that go on in the world. But I think when it comes to a child, it's different. And 24 years is just disgusting. It's just not enough. And that's just my opinion. 
you're free to have your own opinion as well. So as always, I will post some pictures to Instagram, but I am swithering on whether or not to put pictures of Alicia on the Instagram. I just feel like that's maybe a bit inappropriate, you know? Like, I get that there's loads of pictures out there already and articles by The Sun and The Daily Record and lots of other papers in Scotland. You can go and Google them. There's plenty of photos, there's videos... But I feel like if you don't have the permission of the family, which obviously I would never seek to get, it's, mm, I don't know, it's so raw. It was very recent, you know, it's, it was only two years ago. I feel like it's too soon for someone doing a podcast to be posting a picture of someone's baby that they've just lost, you know. So, yeah, I th- I don't think I'll be posting any pictures of Alicia McPhail, but feel free to look them up yourself. Obviously, with a case like this, it is really hard to cover, and I even swithered myself whether I, sh- I even consider not doing it, but then I also thought that if you don't raise things like this and you just kind of brush them under the rug or things like that, you don't, you try not to cover these cases just because they're a little bit difficult, then it's not really helping the public to realise what goes on in the world. And I think it's so important that we talk about the bad things that happen as well as the good things that happen. If only to try and stop it from happening again in some way, you know? the, the Awareness is key. That That's my belief on it. But the picture thing, I think I'll stick to no. And I'll definitely not be posting any pictures of the family either. I think I'll just post some pictures of Aaron and the crime scenes and things like that. And then you guys can look them up yourself if you feel so inclined to do so, yeah. So if you could leave a review on the podcast, I would really appreciate it. And I'm also super sorry about how echoey this episode's going to be because... Unfortunately, as you know, my mum and dad's house burnt down and all my soundproofing equipment was actually in their house. So for a while, for the next couple of episodes, the audio quality is not going to be that great. And I know obviously the first couple of episodes weren't that great either because I'm learning, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I felt like I was finally getting to a place where the audio was going really good and I was getting really clear loud sounds and then I lost some of the equipment so yeah but we'll get back we'll get there we'll get there it's fine I mean not Rome wasn't built in a day you know guys that's that's it so yeah leave me a review let me know what you think follow Instagram and Twitter and all that jazz and I'll see you in the next one next week bye guys